This is To Catch a Con Man, Season 2, in the victim's voices. I will take you on another fascinating journey, but this time you will hear from other men and women that, like me, have fallen prey to the various cons, scams, and deceits by one of the most prolific and successful con artists to live and operate in the Midwest. You know him as Ricky Dugo. Could a hundred grand sustain my life? It couldn't even come close. So, so listen to me. If I was going to be in some sort of con, scam, conniving thing, it'd be for millions. It wouldn't be for $100,000. To Catch a Con Man is brought to you by Studio 847 in Long Grove, Illinois. Listener discretion is advised, as some of this programming contains language and content that might be offensive to some listeners. Join me on this adventure to catch a con man. This is Adam Albin. Thank you for taking the time. I am so hopeful that you are all captivated by season two of To Catch a Con Man in the victim's voices. Coming up next, we will hear part one of a victim you may remember me speaking about in season one, a man you have come to know as the Godfather. Let's head back to the city of Chicago around 2010. Here we go, part one of The Godfather's Story. All right, on, uh, on the show today, we've got uh, The Godfather. Uh, the Godfather and I forged a relationship uh, back in uh, the late summer of 2018. Um, so I wanted to... Uh, to get him on and uh, hear his story. So thanks for taking the time. No problem. All right. Um, why don't you go back to uh, give us uh, an idea of where you were, um, what you're doing, give us a time frame. Tell us how you met Ricky Dugo. Well, I met him, actually I met him in a bar when we were 21, 22 years old. Um, he was... He grew up with one of my friends that I went to go meet there, and um, I can't think of the name of the bar. It's the one down by uh, at the Bevex. I don't even know if it's there anymore. Um, it was a, like a late night, you know, kind of like a dance club kind of bar, and uh, I introduced him, introduced to him there, um, and. Hadn't seen him, so that had to be shoot. That had to be in the eighties, sometime in the eighties, wow. late eighties maybe. Wow! And awesome. Had not seen him again until the Blackhawks. Never, never talked to him. Never seen him again until the Blackhawks were um, making their first Stanley Cup run. Wow! And. Um, well, actually, the one where they won, not the one where they lost to Pittsburgh, but the, the one after that, uh, with 2010, 2012, something like that. Okay. And uh, and that was through the same friend who still hung with them. And they were getting uh, tickets to a Hawks playoff game. And uh, he showed up in a big white dually truck and... Uh, I, don't, I think we met at a restaurant or something and then drove closer to, so that we only had to pay one parking. You know, it's standard, standard 
uh, thing going to a hockey game, you want to pay five different parking fees for you know for everybody. So go to the game, and then after that, it seemed like he was hanging around with this other guy for a lot more. And I used to golf with this with this other guy, um, I don't know, once or twice a week. Played hockey with him, and um, and then they. Kind of, it, it was kind of like a, a kind of a, a thing where he was always around, so he just became a, a you know became a friend. So I thought, and uh, and we just went on from there. Cool. Um, so so this is about two thousand ten ish. What happens after that? I mean, you guys meet, you know, you become like you know buddies. Um, yeah, you know what? It, it was always it was uh, it was one of the things because he lived. Where did he live? He lived like on a, in a condo. Like I believe it was like off, like Halstead and Lake area, right around there. And um, I worked not too far from there, but I also grew up in that in that area. So every once in a while, he call and say you want to meet for lunch or something and and uh you know just not just with me but also with the other guy and you know we'd go out to lunch or something and it seemed like he was always showing up in a different car he had a he had a he was a black mercedes at one time you know this is early on and um you know, all, nothing but nice cars. You know, even have a, you know, a beater like I always drove around, and um, and a lot of times he, you know, pick up the bill, you know, flashing his money around, picking up the bill, saying that he owned, you know, all these car washes, and um, and that you know, so it was just one thing after another with him. So it's kind of like. That's really when it got uh, kicked off, where I got um, roped into him talking about his businesses. It was around that time, you know, when I was always, always talked to everybody about, you know, uh, I wanted to open up a business, you know, some kind of business. I don't, you know, I want to work the rest of my life. I'd rather have business and have it run. And, um, I don't remember exactly how it happened because this is a long time ago. He took me over to the area of Halstead and Grand. And I don't know if, if you're familiar there, how the, the there's a, uh, on Halstead and just south of, south of Grand on the east side, there's like a big, uh, it looked like a just an empty uh, shell of a factory. It had a car, like a, a parking lot attached to it. And he said he's going to open up a car wash there. And went through all this thing, all these, all this detailed story about how he knows a, a guy. His buddy is uh, uh, something to do with a, a car dealership. And I don't want to speak. I don't remember if it was a Ford or I mean, it really didn't matter because it was a lot either way. But he he said that he was going to have a have a, a car wash shop and he was going to detail. He's gonna, he had the uh, a contract. He was going to have the contract for detailing cars in that lot, and that the building itself was going to be a car wash, hand car wash, and. Um, And he talked about um, asking me about if I wanted to be uh, a partner. And I go, yeah, I, I, I'd be interested. And I said, you know, I'd like to be just like a 10% partner. He goes, oh, no, not 10%. He goes, you're going to be 50%. I go, really? So that's where, that's how he got the hook into me, is, uh, is the opening the business thing of something that I, I thought about for a long time. 
So he took you to a uh, a warehouse. It's a shell of a building. He's telling you he's going to open up one of his fictitious car washes, and he's going to make you a partner. Um, I mean, at any point in any of this, I mean, you're thinking, you know, obviously he's got other car washes. He drives nice cars. I mean, the image of him in general, he's well put together, you know, his uh, his his hair's dyed and 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 I mean he's just given off a facade, right? Correct, correct. Okay. Yeah, he he always talked about a car wash that he had. Um, I want to I want to say I don't know if it was Lombard, somewhere somewhere south. But I'll, I'll add another story onto that. Um, as we went, as you know, we started hanging out when I started to get suspicious and I'm getting way ahead of myself right now because there's so much more stuff that happened before that. Um, the one car wash that he always talked about and, uh, we actually went to the Ozarks one time, me, the guy that introduced him to me, uh, introduced him. Yeah. That introduced him to me. And then one other guy, yeah, and this other guy is the guy that had a car wash in Pinsdale, Lombard, somewhere, somewhere south suburb, somewhere. And so we, so the, so the big McGass got, you know, the, the the condo or whatever it was that we stayed in, and it was like a three or four bedroom place, um, right on the water, and you know we stayed there for the weekend, but. He's the guy, he couldn't go anywhere without his wife at, at the time, his, his girlfriend. And he, um, he, he, all of a sudden, I, I think it was a Friday. So we went, I think we got there on a Thursday. We got there on a Thursday or a Friday, but the next day she shows up, she drives there. And, and meets us. So now she's staying in the place with us. And I'm like, well, what fun is this to have her hanging around with us? Well, he doesn't go out that night. And we're using his truck and driving his truck to, to go out. You know, I think we went out to the marina or somewhere, but like they had a, like a little uh, club where you can, you know, music and, and drinks and stuff. And I asked this other guy, I said, so what do you do? And he said, oh, I own a, a gas station and a, a car wash in wherever it was, Lombard or Hinsdale, because we're talking about the same place. Now I go, oh, is that near Ricky's place? And he just kind of looked at me. He goes, I don't know where Ricky has a place. He goes, but, but I, my place is in Lombard and, um, or Hinsdale. Um, that's when I, that's when the whole shit meter really went up. You know, then I realized that there was something wrong. Um, and that's years after, obviously. This is... Shoot, I'm, I'm not even sure what year this was. This might have been... Uh, this might have been like a year, year and a half later. Okay. Was the, the, and I'm going to throw out a name here. I'm not going to give you a last name, but I'm going to just throw out a name. Was the guy that owned the car wash, was his name Bill? Yep. Okay. I know who he is. Good dude. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so am I right? Was it Lombard or Hinsdale? Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, real car wash, real car wash owner, the same car wash that uh, Rick's wife, Shannon, uh, in 2012 um, stole. Um, $1,000 out of a safe while Rick was um, uh, standing guard with a kid in his hand trying to make like a decoy while she was breaking into the safe. You know, Rick gave her a combination and uh, he, uh, she ended up uh, stealing $1,000. It was all caught on, uh, it was recorded on video camera and there's a police report where um that owner claims that uh, Rick Dugo uh, steals from everybody. Um, and then Shannon, eventually, it was a felony charge, and then she uh, pleaded out to a uh, misdemeanor. Um, but I have that, uh, that um, 
that um, via Freedom of Information Act, I actually have the police report as well as the conviction um, record uh, through the courts. So, um, yeah, you are correct, Bill. Um, yeah. So, 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 so take us back before that. Let's go back after after the pitch. So, um, talk to me a little bit about. Um, you know, after he takes you out and, and he shows you this warehouse and then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, he's he's amping up his game and telling you you're going to be a 50 percent partner. What is what is 50 percent cost you? Well, initially, he said it's not going to cost you anything because um, he says what I need is. uh somebody to help me buy something because I have all my money tied up in this car wash. So I don't have any uh, credit available right now. Um, And as a half partner, we would go and buy something, charge it, um, and I would pay it off in a month or two and then later we would sell it and i it's easy to tell you because it was rolex watches ah the famous and rolex watch scam <laughs> yep here it goes yeah, again so he, he got me with the rolex watch scam yeah and it was all oh, these are very valuable they're really hard to get and i, I remember i think one was uh, called a daytona yeah it's an expensive um, watch you know, they're hard to get, and this is him telling me, they're hard to get, and, you know, you keep these things in a box, you put them in a safe, and five years, or, I'm sorry, a year later, and they're worth about $4,000 more than you paid for them. Well, I don't know any uh, any better. I, you know, I got a, a Timex watch, so or one with a rubber band, a digital one, so I didn't know anything about it. But, yeah, so, so we do that, and... Um, he says, okay, I'm going to pay it. Well, month goes by, he gives, he gives me a payment. Another month goes by, you know, he gives me another payment. Well, then that's when the, the payments dropped off. Uh, you know, so now we're going back and forth. I thought you said you were going to pay this, pay this off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's, you know, still got the money tied up in this car wash and, and this and that and around that time I noticed that I thought that he was um, he was either doing the car wash already behind my back or something wasn't right and I thought it was that he already started doing that place because I started seeing cars in the in the parking lot not in the building and uh so i called him i said hey is there supposed to be any cars in the in the in the lot he goes no he goes i'm gonna call my attorney you know long conversation short i'm gonna call my attorney and i'm gonna straighten this out okay so i don't i don't remember going back over there purposely to go see it um but over over you know driving by many times after that sometimes there was cars there sometimes there wasn't so i didn't know i wasn't sure what was going on with that place let's go back to Um, the rolexes real quick godfather uh you had mentioned that um he had you um purchase a rolex or i mean was it one rolex was it two rolexes was it four rolexes how many watches it was two Okay, and and and, and what Rolexes. what did those cost you? Shit, uh, I, I well on the credit card, I think one was eighteen thousand, another one was uh, twelve thousand. Okay, so he's got you on the hook for thirty thousand in watches. Did he take you to CD Peacock? Yes. Okay. Um, again, rinse and repeat, same thing. It's been doing this for. Now it sounds like since uh, since the late 90s, um, from what we've heard before, all the way through uh, 2010, 2011 or further. And then did he 
ask you or did he tell you he was going to pawn them or sell them or what? So no, no. Are you Originally, just? It, it was an investment. And are you holding on to these investment. watches? What's that? Are you holding on to these watches? Are they in your safe? No, no, no. He took them. Okay. So you don't actually know what he did with these watches? No. Well, I, I kind of found, found out later. I can't verify it, but I, I think he brought it, brought them to a, a jeweler uh, in downtown Chicago. Yeah, a gentleman by the name of Howard Fromm was basically a guy that uh, would uh, would buy all of these Rolexes, uh, give uh, Rick about 50% of the value, um, you know, in cash, and then he would resell them. Um, so that's most likely what happened. I won't speculate, but that's everybody else's story. Um, C.D. Peacock watches and then eventually, um, you know, fenced or whatever, over at uh, Howard Fromm. So, all right, man, keep on going. You're doing good. All right. So, um, after that, he he never really said, oh, I, I lost this one because I think he was stuck, originally told me that he owned the property or he already leased the property. I can't remember exactly, but it was his property to do, to, to do what he wanted to do with and, you know, at, at points he's like, I've already got these gigantic dome silver lights stored and, um, you know, they're ready to go in. We just have to get the permits. And I go, okay. And he's like, yeah, there's an alderman, Dave. I don't remember who the guy was. I don't even know if he was even an alderman. He said, that guy's going to help me get the permits. Um, I just have to take care of him. And I'm like, well, take care of him how? He goes, well, I'll, I'll handle that. And, uh, you know, he doesn't like, he's not going to take a bribe. And I go, okay. Um, he's like, I grew up with this guy or something, you know, so he's a friend of his and he's going to help him push the permits through for whatever he needs for that place. And I... I heard that same same name over the next uh, three places that he showed me in Chicago. Um, that this guy was going to help him with the permits and this and that. Um, yeah, sorry, I, I go on a tangent because I, there's so many things running through my head that tells me that I, you know, you think back. And you're like, man, how, how was I that stupid to, to believe that one? But, you know, I, I think he he was the person, number one, he was telling people what they wanted to hear, helping, trying to help them advance their lives and their, their kids' lives. And and I and he knew that. Um, you don't become a good manipulator unless you know how to touch the, uh, the, the soft strings in people's hearts. Um, and family is the perfect, perfect way for him to do it. Yeah, there's, and, there's no doubt. I mean, this is, this is absolutely one of his most famous con man plays out of his con man playbook. This is a rinse and repeat uh, scam. Uh, I mean, it is documented by other victims. This is wild because, again, it just goes to show you how long he's been able to do this successfully. This originated in the 1990s. Um, so, you know, you fast forward like 12 to 15 years, and this is still going on today. Um, so I get it, man. He's, he's pulling, you know, on your heartstrings. He's, um, he is that good. You know, there's no, there's no doubt about it. Um, so whatever tangent you go on is fine. Keep on going. Yeah, well, you know, if this piece of shit would have pushed his uh, his gift for, for bullshit and sold used cars, he'd be a gazillionaire. You know, he, he, he knows he'd, he'd be a great salesman no matter what he tried to sell. Um, but that's 
another story. Um, so where was I? How I lost my train of thought. Uh, you said you had gone on a tangent. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, he, he, so he's, he's, he's got your first some Rolexes. Um, there's some issues at the property with cars being parked out front. You don't know if he's leased out the property. Um, that's about where you were. So, when, so it, around that time, when when the payments started to get thin, um, I'm starting to pay these credit card things, and now he, I'm starting to have to pay the credit card bills because he's not paying them. So he comes up with another car wash. Um, I think it was on. Um, Elston, and there was a white glove uh, car wash, like, um, like right on the corner, right next to it, though. And he's like, "Well, this is a this is a place um, that you know, great location, this and that." I'm even gonna talk to the, or I talked to the owner of the white glove next to it, and he's going to uh, sell me that place. Um, and do the, and that's going to be like for the details and the place next to it is going to be just for the car washes. So he says, you want to go over there and take a look at me, take a look at it with me. And it was, this isn't just like that day it happened. This is like him talking about it, talking about it. And so one day I meet him over there and he walks in the place like like he owns it, not the white glove, the place next to it, just a car wash. And there's some guys doing just doing some hand car washes. And he walks in with me, and we walk like past or, or past where like the uh, where you would pay, I guess. There, there wasn't really a desk or anything there, but he walked like in, into the car wash, and he's pointing around and and saying, you know, this is you know the hand part, and this, you know they're gonna we're gonna have to put blowers in or some. You know whatever the stuff he was telling me about it, but he didn't have any any restrictions of what he showed. Those people, those guys were looking at us like we were crazy. Like you know, what are we doing in here? And I remember it was just kind of like weird looks that we got. And he just pointed around and he talked about it, and then we walked out. And then he walked. We walked down towards the corner, and he says, "Okay, this is the the." the white glove and I'm pretty sure it was what called the white glove um and it, you know this is where they do the details and but the, like the doors were locked for that so I don't know if that place was even open at the time or or what um and so he went through the, the whole story again you know with, with um you know uh he had another opportunity to get some more watches and the other ones are going to uh, be matured pretty soon. And, you know, and I, I would be able to, I would be able to keep the money that made that, that the watches made since I was paying the bill on the, on the, on the two that I had. Um, do you know anybody else that could help um, or anybody else that wanted to make money and, um, to the the the, um, the watches. So this isn't really a, a this is only a, like within a couple months, uh, maybe three months, because it, it, he didn't when he didn't he didn't pay him. Well, he when he paid the first couple. So I digress. After he paid the first couple payments, I believe around that time. Um, I was talking to my mom about it and he had already been like friends with the, with the family, you know, by this time, you know, I was talking to my mom about, uh, you know, opening a business and this is the guy and she introduced, I mean, I introduced him to my mom and well, the same thing. So we went to CD Peacock and my mom bought a watch and he took the watch and I think he paid three or four payments to her and then stopped paying her. So now I'm paying for three watches, trying to keep payments for three watches. 
Um, and how much are these payments a month? I mean, uh, because I think the way that other people described it, it was like, you know, 30 days deferred, 90 days deferred, and then all of a sudden you get hit with a charge. I mean, is it, is it, are they, if it's an $18,000 watch, are they giving you a year to pay it off? Is it? You know, I, I don't remember, but I know that I could not keep up with the payments. So it wasn't like it was a $200 and a $200 payment. So I think they, you know, it was, I think they were three, $400 a piece a month. Wow. Um, I don't remember exactly, so I can't, I, I don't want to misspeak on that, but, um, from, so, you know, from, from that day, all these, so the credit cards and everything. So I ended up not, I couldn't pay these credit cards. After a while, I couldn't pay him anymore. I just didn't have the money. And so these credit cards, they all started getting closed. And my credit, you know, I, I think I was down to a 500 uh, credit rating at one time because of this piece of shit. Um, you know, I, I apologize. I'm all over the place. But there's so much happened in... I, I, in the in the year and a half that he was really sticking it to me and my family that uh, that I I get confused over the the, the times um, the, the actual timeline. Um, yeah, don't apologize. Um, I I know exactly what it's like. It you know, I spent five years chasing this guy. It took me you know a year to be able to tell the story in a, in a fashion that made sense. So I get it. You know, at, at a certain point, and I don't know how this happened, I, I got I got like a, a random email, um, and it was basically about him. Somebody sent somebody sent me this email, and this was this had to be well before well before he got you because this was. Um, 2010, 11, 12, somewhere around there. Um, you know, beware of this guy. Um, and I, you know what? If I if I could find that email, I, I think I saved it. I would have to look back, but I will uh, I will definitely forward it to you. No, I would um, love to see it. So somebody tried to give you a, a, a forewarning. They tried. Somebody knew. Or probably heard what he was doing, or had seen you hanging out with him, and so somebody attempted to to tip you off. Hmm. Yes. Well, by the time I got there, it was already too late. Um, you know, he was already. We were already hanging out, and when when you, I think part of the reason I wasn't into the. I wasn't able to be part of the uh, actual uh, criminal investigations part is because he was paying me, he was paying me money little by little. And I think, I think in the law's mind that that an effort to try and pay is not defrauding you of your money. Just that you're short money. I don't know exactly Correct. That works. Yeah, so that's actually a bit of what I talk about. Um, it shows good faith. Um, and again, he could pay you 500 bucks when he owes you 18000 And it's all up to a judge or jury to decide if that was in good faith or if that was just part of the front. Um, but that is absolutely correct. Um, so, and, and, and Rick was, he did that with everybody. I mean, he, you know, almost everybody I know that he took somebody got something back, whether it was a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or 500 bucks. Uh, he never paid ever anybody back in full. Um, but he did, um, he knew the law well enough to where he could skirt that, um, that piece of it in case it were ever to come back up in the future. But towards the end, he got pretty sloppy and then he stopped paying people back. So, um, keep on going. So he's got you guys, for three Rolexes and the potential's out there. Now you're looking at a second car wash. 
keep on going from there if you can. Yeah. Well, so my mom doesn't know that I'm giving her the money for it. Uh, she thinks that he's giving me the money, and that the money is going to him until you know the part where she can't. I can't pay it anymore, and now she's starting to panic. Um, and I think she took the money out of her account and paid it off because she was, you know, you, you got the old school people; they don't want to ruin their credit. Even though she was really never going to buy anything again, you know, she really didn't need credit. Um, but you know, the, the 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 old school people they that's what they you know they think they always wrote paper checks. You know, they didn't like dealing with you know credit cards. It was everything. You know, you don't you don't pay your 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 bills over to over the internet over the line. You mail. You know, you fill out that check and you send it in. Yeah. That's the way you know. That's the way she was. Um. So in in this time, going from oh, so so one day we go to my mom's house. Like it's actually my sister's house, and my mom's there because uh, she was living there after she sold her house. Um. So she, um, he says. Something along the line that you know, does your mom have any cash? Basically, you know, does she have any any cash? Um, or or does she have any more room or something to buy to buy something or help with a payment because we're short some of the money to get this this. Uh, it was either that first car wash or the second one. I don't remember um, because it was. For for just in the city that he told me he was he was gonna get for us uh, plus the one in Mundelein that Mundelein one was later and just to show you how when you get when you start to dig yourself a hole you start to do things throwing good money after bad uh, you know or yeah good money after bad. And, and that was one of his famous sayings. That's what he always says. You know, I'm not going to throw good money at the bed. And uh, so he's like, I know your mom's got like thirteen thousand, um, and we're going to lose this if if she doesn't help us with it. And it was like, okay, we're going to open real soon, but we need this. Part of this money, and part of it was, um, I remember the, the the car wash that I was telling you about, uh, the one on next to the white glove. He didn't want to lose the employees. the The previous owner owed um, the employees, you know, like you know, three thousand or something a piece, something like that. And he didn't want to lose them. He wanted to make sure that they got paid so that they would stay. Because you don't want to lose your workers. When you you know when you're about to open up a car wash, because you need you need the guys that know what they're doing. So I don't remember exactly how much my mom gave. It was either thirteen or ten, uh, ten thousand, and and that was never paid back. Um, you know, and one of the things I really regret is getting anybody else involved in this, especially you know my family. And uh, he didn't give a shit. Um, he didn't. He didn't care who he screwed over. And you know, so so bouncing from one thing to another, I think that at one point he has no friends left, and he called his the one guy that introduced um, me to him. He says hey, he's got nothing for me, nothing for my, nothing for my kids. So I want you to be the godfather. Hence, why you are calling me the godfather. Um, so I was the godfather to his first son. And this piece of shit did this to me and my family. I was he was at every family party um, that I had for my kids, for my mom, for you know whatever. Um, my mom was invited to all his family stuff. My my mom and his mom were, became friends. 
And um, my mother used to tell me about things because when we started getting suspicious, I started asking her questions, like to ask his mom. And his mom um, would, wouldn't lie. His mom was very straightforward. And uh, like one of the big things he would say is like he couldn't, he couldn't do something in the morning because he had to take his mom to dialysis. Uh, so he couldn't, he had to go to a certain spot. He had to go take his mom to a dialysis place on, uh, I think it was on Elston Avenue. And, um, so my mom asked, says, oh, you, so Ricky's been taking you to, uh, the dialysis. She's like, he's never taken me to dialysis. And, you know, I, I, I drive myself there. It's not that far from the house. And so my mom tells me that, and I'm like, hmm, okay. So a few times that he told me he was going there the next day, you know, that he had to go there in the morning, I would drive past that way and look for his, for his truck or a car, but it's probably had so many that I didn't even know what he had. All I remember was, was the uh, Mercedes and the, uh, uh, and the, the white truck, the dually. Um, I know at one point he told me that the the girl, and I can't remember what the girl's name was that he lived with um, in the condo off of Milwaukee Avenue, uh, and I think it was in Lincolnwood, but um, he, he told me that uh, she moved back to Wisconsin with her parents uh, because Shannon came to the house and was looking in the windows or something like that. So he was, you know, with both girls at one time. And, um, and he's like, oh yeah, she sold my, you know, her, the truck was in her dad's name and he sold the truck and, you know, he bounced around from one thing to another excuses while he was up or where he was always the victim of something. Something was always wrong. So at this time, he's, he's, is he dating Shannon? I, you know what? I don't, I don't know if he was dating Shannon. Um, he told me that he was just friends with the, with the girl that he lived with. And I always used to tease him, say, yeah, right. Yeah, right. You know, whatever. He's like, nope, never, never did anything with her. And, and whatever, it's not my business. I don't, I don't, you know, I really don't care. Um, but when he met Shannon, I believe it was, it was through the, the, the guy that I told you about in the first place. Um, I don't, I, I don't know how they met, where they met, but it, it was around there, but I guess if he was dating the girl that he lived with, then he would, then he was dating Shannon at the same time. That's why she was, she was suspicious, I guess, and was trying to look in the garage windows or, or something, you know, uh, of the condo building or look in his windows. You know, I, I think the story changes from him from every time he tells it. So, you know, to make it a better story, he elaborates more and more. So I don't, I don't remember exactly but I remember her going to the house to try and see who was there. Maybe he wasn't answering the phone. And then not too long after that, like within days, the, the other girl moved out. So but from what I heard is that he ruined her credit and um, she had a hard time too trying, trying to get back on her feet. And, and uh, I don't know, I think she was like 19. 19 years old or something. I don't even know. So she was young. I have a suspicion, but I'm not going to throw out any names. Um, Cause I'm trying to figure out in this time frame. I want to say if this is like 2010, 2011, 
Rick and Shannon get married about then because Shannon, I believe, has her first child in like 2012-ish or 2011-ish. So um, let's go back to, 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 to becoming the godfather. Um, how does Rick pitch that to you? I mean, right now, I mean, you're on the hook for all of this money. Um, you've known him for, what, about a year and a half? Like I said, I, you know, the, the time frames, um, it was one nightmare. It was a 10-year nightmare. So it was always me being, being stupid, thinking that this guy's going to pay me back because of the little, the payments that he sent um, or gave me. He... Uh, it was always, you know, sometimes you'd give me, you know, 12, 1500 bucks, sometimes 2000 you know, and it was a drop in a bucket compared to what money he owed. But it was always in the back of my mind that, well, you know, get through this hard time and maybe it's going to be worth it. But then when the suspicions start in, you don't ever think that you're going to get all that money back but staying on him and keep trying to get the payments um, as many as I could to try and recoup money uh, you 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 know you kind of uh, I like the old saying of you know you, you keep your friends close but keep your enemies closer right so I always try to as much as I, I hated doing it, had to, I sent them messages and stuff. Hey, what's up? You know, what's going on? How's the kids? And, you know, stuff like that. You got any money for me somewhere in there would come in? And, and sometimes that would work, you know, depending, you know, and, and unfortunately, uh, the way he was probably getting money to give me was getting it from somebody else. You know, I, now I see that. Uh, back then, I had no idea. I thought I still couldn't prove that he didn't own any car washes. Um, you know, and he was getting money from somewhere. Yeah. And at one point, you know, people mentioned that he had, you know, money saved up somewhere and, you know, that he was hiding money and all this stuff. And I remember. Uh, him telling me when when he could when he wasn't giving me any more money he got to the point where he, he came through this this elaborate bullshit story of how he was going to use this money that he had in the bank and I don't know what he what he said about it was something with the IRS and the IRS froze his bank account hmm. and his, uh, he had cash in his, uh, safety deposit box because the, the cash, uh, because the car washes are cash business. So he put some cash in a, in a, in a safety deposit box, but they froze all his accounts and they froze his safety deposit box. So he can't, he couldn't get money out. Right. So that's a, that's a, one of his, again, rinse and repeat, um, sayings, the IRS has froze my accounts. I need you to put this, this, and that into your name to help me out. I'll make the payments. Um, so that's, that's come up many times.
You just heard part one of The Godfather's Story. He took us back to the city of Chicago in 2010, where a chance invitation to go see a Chicago Blackhawks playoff game during their championship run is a chance encounter where Dugo makes a new friend. Over the next few months, a new business opportunity is pitched, and the godfather falls prey to Dugo's scam, hook, line, and sinker. Coming up next, we will hear part two of The Godfather's epic tale of being swindled by one of the most prolific and successful con men to ever live in the Midwest. You have come to know him as Ricky Dugo. (laughs) 